how can you not be romantic about baseball? Bring it a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I gotta, I gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is... I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome to another edition of Booze and Baseball with Derek Johnson and Dusty Baker. This is episode seven. Unfortunately, one thing is a little bit different, though. This time around, Derek Johnson will not be on this show just for episode seven. We're hoping he'll be back next week when Ronnie Bedrosian, a scout for the Milwaukee Brewers, will also be joining us on the show as well. Derek is out sick. And, you know, I just want you to send him a a quick text if you know him or tweet at him. Just say, hey, we hope you feel better, man, because uh, this show is definitely not the same without him. Uh, He does a great job, and he's helped me make this thing work out as well as it has been for the first couple weeks weeks of this and uh, he plays an integral part as well and so uh, you know if you're turning off your your podcast now I don't even blame you Derek is a key asset to this and uh, he will be surely missing this one but you know quick recovery Derek and uh, hopefully you'll be back next week Um, so as I mentioned this is episode seven originally we were going to talk about the National League Central Uh, these past couple weeks we've been previewing what the AL West, the NL West, the AL Central, and now the NL Central will look like as you go into the offseason and into the 2021 regular season. Instead, we're going to push back the NL Central to next week as well as the following week. We'll talk to Ronnie, of course, about the Central itself with the Brewers and how they kind of shape up. They're a unique team to look at, uh, and specifically they have a lot of players that you know we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show that – may have some question marks around them. But ultimately, our main focus on the NL Central, that'll be for the next two weeks. As for this episode, you know, we've had some crazy action going on this past week around Major League Baseball, specifically because of the non-tender and tender deadline. And so some of you at home may have been seeing these tweets and posts about the MLB saying, you know, what is a non-tender or what's a tender? A player is getting tendered at this time, a tendered contract, et cetera, et cetera. To put it simply, what a non-tender is, when a club non-tenders a player, it declines to give that player a contract for the upcoming season, and thereby immediately making him a free agent. So players on 40-man rosters with fewer than six years of Major League service time, well, they must be tendered contracts each offseason by a set deadline or non-tendered and released to the free agent pool as well. And so when you look at this, uh, of course, with this particular offseason, this is a very unique one. 
because you don't really know what to expect for 2021. We're coming off a 60-game season in which some players, their seasons weren't up to par with what they expected. And you're going to hear some of these names that, you know, quite frankly, I'm shocked by that some teams aren't at least pulling the, you know, trying to go a little bit further with them and, you know, trusting that maybe the 60-game stretch was not exactly up to par with what they can usually put out there, especially considering, you know, a lot of these players had to really go back into the thick of things in July, training camp hit, and then by July the 24th, the regular season hit as well. But before we do all that, uh, still up to tradition here, this is Booze and Baseball. Today, I am drinking a drink that was given to me by a listener. Her name is Christina, and I appreciate what she gave me. It is a San Diego slash now LA Chargers bolt up golden ale. It's from the Golden Road Brewing Company. This will actually be, hopefully for me, the final beer that I taste before I do a bunch of cocktails. And this is a great one. Already started sipping on it. You can hear the ice right there as well. Christina, I really appreciate it. This is a, a good one. Unfortunately, the Chargers are not a good team. Those LA Chargers, they lost at home on Sunday to the Patriots 45 to nothing. So needless to say, that's why you drink this, because that way you can try and forget what happened uh, on Sunday. And this is what the Chargers have done to me all season long. It's pathetic. And thank God I grew up a Dodgers fan, because now I can actually have something to celebrate since the Chargers have been so difficult to root for. Anyways, thank you, Christina, once again for this Golden Road Brewing Bolt-Up Golden Ale. Uh, on top of that, that's also sitting on a coaster uh, made by Man Cave Merch. You can go to Man Cave Merch at Man Cave Merch on Instagram or on Twitter as well. They're selling some pretty cool coasters right now, great stocking stuffers, it's baseball cards, coaster around it and uh, you know what's cool is they're on both sides. You can see the top of the card and the bottom of the card and the coasters are obviously clear in the middle and so it, it's pretty awesome stocking stuffer once again at man cave merch and uh, they will hook you up uh, for hopefully a good last second Christmas gift uh, I know they're working hard over there there was a huge shipment of Giants fans after Derek got his this past week all right so we're gonna start this thing off here with a cheers and pour one out like we always do and so uh, normally I would have Derek starting it and I would go back and forth with him so I'm gonna pretend Derek's on the other end Derek cheers first of all to starting this thing out and uh, you know we're gonna cheers to all the players that were actually tendered a lot of names we're non-tendered, and I will go through that in just a little bit. And given the current climate of the game, that provides a completely uncertain future for a lot of these players. So thank goodness, though, for the players that were tendered. And so when you look at what happens with those tendered contracts, they're all for a year. Uh, and uh, I'll go through a couple of the notable ones as well in a little bit. I'm going to pour one out, though, for the 2021 free agents. Because all of a sudden, this has been an incredibly competitive market uh, with all these one-year deals thanks to these tendered contracts. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to monitor how that impacts the entire market as a whole for this you know, free agency. And as well as 2022. Uh, I, I think I got to throw that one out there as well. The 2022 free agents. That's going to be a pretty large class because of these tendered contracts. Um, and so I'm curious to see what happens ultimately uh, in this particular offseason and the following one, because remember, you also have the CBA, which is going to come after the 2021. So there's going to be some issues here for the next two off seasons. We're already seeing small deals going around. Um, so I'm pouring one out to the free agents of this particular offseason and I'll also throw 2022 out 
uh, because that one I don't expect to be much better than what we're going through right now. Also, I'm going to pour one out for Joe Gatto's mentions. Uh, Joe Gatto I'm talking about, that would be Joe Gatto of the Impractical Jokers. The reason why the Texas Rangers signed Joe Gatto, a starting pitcher, to a minor league deal uh, you can ask me who Joe Gatto is. He's come up through several systems. Ultimately, uh, the Joe Gatto we all know and love is the one that is in New York City pranking other people on Impractical Jokers. And this past week when Joe Gatto signed with the Rangers, uh, a lot of memes popping up saying, all right, Joe, go in and sign a deal with the Rangers. Uh, it's just kind of a perfect thing the Impractical Jokers would do. They've even done things with Major League Baseball before. They had Noah Syndergaard throw out baseballs to fans, uh, and ultimately he threw it to Joe a bunch of times, speaking of Joe Gatto, uh, to try and annoy and anger the fans around them. So that's just kind of what Joe Gatto does. So congratulations to both Joe Gattos, but pour one out to the Joe Gatto of Impractical Jokers on probably having a lot more mentions than you had hoped this past weekend. Also pouring one out to the Staten Island Yankees. Staten Island Yankees club, quote-unquote, said the New York Yankees announced on November 7, 2020, that the Staten Island Yankees were no longer part of the Yankees' minor league affiliate structure, even though the Yankees had made repeated assurances we would always be a minor league partner. Basically, to sum that up, Staten Island no longer affiliated with those New York Yankees, and it's looking like a rather unstable business as an unaffiliated team. And that's a, that's a historic affiliate right there. And so that's just is kind of a sign of the times right now. So pour one out for 2020 and specifically for the Staten Island Yankees. Uh, it's unfortunate what's going on around baseball. Obviously, they already cut down minor league teams as well. And uh, you're kind of seeing the repercussions of these financial burdens that some of these teams are throwing out there. And uh, this might be one of them. And then let's end with a cheers because we got to end with a cheers. How about cheers to Cole Tucker? That's the shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and uh, he grew up a high school musical fan. Well, all of a sudden now, he's reportedly dating Vanessa Hudgens, and uh, to be quite frank, I, I, I'm kind of amazed, man. Like, if that's what you grew up with, and all of a sudden, he just shot a shot and it worked, uh, that's awesome. I, I cheers to, to the boys, and specifically to Cole Tucker. That's exactly what you want to see, and uh, especially in 2020, where it's just been a tough year for the Pirates. Man, what a big win for the Pirates right there. You bring Vanessa Hudgens into uh, Pittsburgh, all of a sudden, they've got a fan base kind of similar to what Justin Berlander had with Kate Upton in Houston. So, cheers to Cole Tucker on the probably the biggest win in the Pirates season in 2020. All right. So we're going to transition now to that non-tender talk. So as I had mentioned, so those non-tender players, they're the ones that obviously were declined a contract and are thereby made free agents. As for the tendered players, starting with them first, some players that you would call notable at this time that were tendered. We're going to start with the Royals. They tendered Hunter Dozier. He hits $2.72 million. Now, in 2020, he had a rather rough year. He hit 228 and he slugged 392. However, this man, he can hit. Uh, and when you look at his stats from 2019, I think that tells the real tale here. He had 26 home runs, had 29 doubles as well. He actually had 10 triples, which is pretty impressive. He's kind of fleet on his feet. So he hit 279 that season on base percentage of 348 and 522. So I think that when you look at Hunter Dozier, he's still got a lot to offer. Yes, his war was 0.1 in 2020 but there's still a lot from the defensive side and from the offensive side I think that for the Royals they just really struggled as a whole uh you're kind of hoping that then maybe they'll make some moves offensively they picked up Michael A. Taylor 
uh, that's not really going to get the job done for the Royals. So they might need another piece to help out Dozier in the middle of that lineup. But the man can produce, and maybe with a long 162-game season, well, maybe he'll get exactly what he deserves, which is a better contract going into the 2022 offseason. Sticking with the Royals, Jorge Soler. That is a pretty big name. He, of course, in 2019 hit 48 home runs. I think the Royals' production as a whole in 2019 was just a lot more impressive on paper than 2020. Uh, Similar to Hunter Dozier, actually kind of crazy similarity here. He also hit 228. He had eight home runs this past season, and he will be due $8.05 million. Jorge Soler, though, I mean, this is one of the more talented players in the league I thought that would come up and really show out in the 2020 season. Now he is heading into his age 29 season as well. So all of a sudden, these quote-unquote young Royals players starting to age a little bit, but Jorge Soler still with a lot of potential right now. He's projected to hit 20 home runs, have a 253 average, and uh, OPS of 848, that's exactly kind of what you're looking for if you're the Royals. You wonder if he's going to become a trade candidate at this point for a team that may need a big right-handed slugger uh, just because the Royals probably won't be competing in 2021 like we kind of talked about on the past week uh, with David Lesky. So when you look at Solaire, that's going to be an interesting contract to kind of monitor. $8.05 million for Solaire. Moving on to the Minnesota Twins. Tyler Duffy, that is a solid right-handed reliever, and he's getting $2.2 million. I think a lot of teams would be okay with that deal right there. He's got one year left because of the tendered contract as well. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to want Duffy, and let's just say that the Minnesota Twins are a team that will not be competing in this season. Well, they may have some trade chips, and Duffy would probably be the big one. Kind of sticking with the Twins because they've got a lot of moves that I want to cover here. The Twins with Jose Barrios tendered him. This is a one-year, $6.1 million deal. Barrios had a bit of a down year this past year, but let's be honest. This guy has some breakout stuff that ultimately he's got some of the filthiest stuff you'll see in Major League Baseball. Uh, Past season, though, he went 5-4 and with a 4 ERA in 12 games. Not really what you're looking for from what they expected would be their ace on the mound. In 2019, he was an all-star, though. He had a 3-6-8 ERA in 32 games. He actually pitched 200 innings and uh, a third as well on top of that. Uh, I think Barrios can be a, a decent play, though, moving forward. He's only been in the league for five years. His K per nine is roughly around nine at 8.9, so he does get swings and misses. He is a two-time All-Star as well, and he's only 26 right now, uh, and he's entering his age 27 season. A lot to produce and see from him here in the 2021 season. Uh, I'm anticipating that Barrios has a quite the bounce-back year, especially considering now it's a contract year for him. How about a former top prospect in Byron Buxton? Byron Buxton always seems to be injured, and that happened yet again this past season. He is owed $5.125 million, still a lot of value. Remember, this guy is super quick. He's got power. He's got the five tools. It's just hard when those tools can't be used when you're sitting on the bench with an injury. And so Byron Buxton hopefully will make a comeback here in the 2021 season. Then you got Taylor Rogers, the closer that everybody was hyping on going into the season. Well, he had a bit of a down year as well. Notice there's a trend right here with these tender deals. Guys with down years, but still with the name and shown production in the past. Taylor Rogers, yet another guy. Uh, he will still be expected to be the closer of this team. He will be owed $6 million. Talk about a down year. Mitch Garver, man, this guy really crashed and burned in 2020. His first season 
I knew that this guy had massive power. And sure enough, this past year, that power just went away. You look at where he was at. He had two home runs in 72 at-bats. He had a 167 average and an on-base percentage of 247. He slugged 264. In contrast, though, in 2019, when he was 28 years old, he's 29 this year, he's going into his age 30 season. Well, in 2019, he had 31 home runs. He did have only 67 RBIs. But keep in mind, that was in 359 plate appearances, which is a very minimal number right there. Hit 273. Therefore, he slugged 630. So you talk about a huge turnaround. I mean, that is over 300 points that he lost from 2019 to 2020. He's only been in the league for four years. Expect to bounce back from him. And for the Twins to be able to get him for just a little bit less than $2 million, that could ultimately be a steal. I'm interested to see what happens moving forward for that organization. Kind of moving on here, let's go to the AL East, the Red Sox, Eduardo Rodriguez, the lefty, after sitting out with COVID in the 2020 season. Well, he's owed $8.3 million for a final year of his contract. Uh, to be honest, Erod has some really good stuff, and he is great swing and miss potential as well. Listen to these numbers that he had in 2019 because they were pretty impressive for the most part as his age 26 season. In 34 starts, he had a 19-6 and six record. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was number one or number two in the league at that time. He had a 3.81 ERA. And then on top of that, in a 203 and a third innings pitched, he also struck out 213 hitters. So his K per nine was 9.4. Um, and he was finished sixth, actually, that year in the Cy Young Award. So this guy has a lot to offer. He's very young. Obviously, it's a little bit scary to monitor where his health is at right now. He did have his heart issue which is why he sat out of the 2020 season thanks to COVID. Uh, but now he will be entering his 2021 season, age 28. Um, and uh, I think health is going to be the big thing to watch with him. His ERA has never been particularly low. He is a 403 career ERA. But Eduardo Rodriguez, great pitcher, guy that you could have at the top of your rotation, could be a guy that's a trade candidate here because the Red Sox should not be competing in 2021. Sticking with the Red Sox, Matt Barnes, solid righty reliever for them, has definitely had his ups and downs with the organization. He was at one point a closer, middle reliever, but he's owed $4.4 million. Pretty fair deal, I would say, right there. That one doesn't really open my eyes particularly. Ryan Brazier is one that's interesting. Another one for the Red Sox, at one point was the closer, kind of lost that role, then went back to that role as well. He's only owed $1.25 million. He could be an easy guy on the move for a team looking to contend in 2021 at the deadline or even prior to it. Uh, Brazier's going to be interesting to monitor. Keep an eye for him, uh, especially if the Red Sox do struggle like I kind of anticipate they will. And then Kevin Ploiecki, this is where this is the interesting side of things with baseball. Okay, Brazier, significant impact. Okay, he's getting $1.25 million. Ploiecki's getting $1.6 million, and he's a backup catcher. Quite frankly, when you look at those two contracts, it's not even close which one I'd rather have. Blackie, just throwing that one out there because that's the side of baseball that, you know, people will complain about the size of contracts thing. These guys get paid too much. Keep in mind, their careers are short. But then it's guys like Kevin Pilecki where you're like, how is this guy making $1.6 million? So one more year with Pilecki as their backup catcher. All right, moving to the AL West and the Seattle Mariners with Mitch Haniger. 
this is a tough one for me because he gets $3.01 million over the course of a year. He was a top player in the Mariners organization. He was actually an all-star in 2018. Uh, and then 2019 hit, and man, the guy is the worst luck possible. In July, he ruptures a testicle by fouling a ball off of his you-know-where. And so, unfortunately for him, he sits out all of 2020. He now comes back, and the Mariners have some of these top prospects coming up. I don't know where he fits in long-term with this team. And so, of course, he gets a one-year deal worth $3.01 million. And so that's what he's going to get. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this is his final year in Seattle. And if they don't compete in 2021, uh, then he may be dished as well because they're trying to do everything they can to stay young. Let's not forget they also have – the AL Rookie of the Year out there in center field in Kyle Lewis. Sticking with the AL West, the Oakland Athletics. This is the name that is very tough for me, and that's Matt Olson. Matt Olson was an MVP candidate, in my opinion, two years ago. Then this past season, just like many of the names that I've been mentioning, he just has a terrible, terrible season. Um, it was not pretty for him in 2020. He hits 14 home runs, but also an average of 195. So, to be able to see kind of where they fit in, where they're hitting home runs versus any other base hits or getting on base altogether, that's why I like looking at slugging. He slugged 424, which is totally not where he normally sits at. In 2019, those numbers were so different. He had 36 home runs, 26 doubles. That slugging was 545. He had a 267 average, and his on-base percentage was 351 that season. It dropped all the way to 310. Uh, to me, as a age 27 player, he's going into his age 27 season. He's getting $5 million. That is <laughs> shocking to me. I, I still think that he is the best hitter on that team outside of the obvious that Matt Chapman is probably the best righty. He's the best lefty and outside of Chapman, the best hitter on that team. Um, the fact that he's getting only $5 million, it's the most classic A's thing. He's on a one-year deal. Expect him to be gone after this season. And if somehow the A's don't compete this year, well, you could see possibly Olsen at the trade deadline as well. All right, moving on to the National League, we'll start with the Central again because, you know, we've been focusing on the Central these past couple weeks. And so we're going to start with the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Brewers and Orlando Arcia. Arcia was supposed to be their star shortstop. He just really hasn't panned out. He gets a one-year $2 million deal. That's pretty fair. At catcher, they have two catchers on these deals. It's Omar Narvaez at $2.5 million, Manny Pena at $1.65 million. I have no problem with either one of those. Neither one is particularly incredible. Narvaez, of course, he had much better production when he was with uh, the Seattle Mariners, um, and Pena has been a very decent backup for them. Jumping from the Central to the East now, we go to the Philadelphia Phillies, who are in quite the flux altogether in their front office. It's been quite a disaster, to say the least. Um, you know, just a couple days ago, there were reports that Zach Wheeler would be traded. Now, all of a sudden, they're, being set, they're saying that he won't be traded for anybody that's the equivalent of Babe Ruth. It just doesn't make sense. The Phillies are a complete mess. Two names for you here, Zach Eflin. He gets $4.45 million, and Hector Neris, their former closer that just couldn't finish the job ever, it seemed. He gets $5 million. Have no problem with either one of these contracts as well. Eflin is a lot of promise, uh, but he doesn't quite produce consistently, and that's why he's getting the money you see right there. 
Going to the Miami Marlins, who just coming off a wild card series win over the Cubs, and of course they lost in the NLDS to the Atlanta Braves. Well, the Marlins with Jesus Aguilar, they got a one-year deal worth $4.3 million. Aguilar, of course, produced a big time with the Brewers. Then he struggled immensely, moves over to Miami, and then he kind of takes off early on in the season, falls off a little bit, but still pretty decent production in 2020. Uh, so $4.3 million for Aguilar. Then you have Garrett Cooper at $1.8 million. And uh, Cooper is going to be the kind of guy that hits in the middle of that lineup for them at a very cheap price. And that price is $1.8 million. Good get for the Marlins for one more season. The New York Mets, Steven Matz. Seems like we say Steven Matz all the time. That guy gets $4.2 million. Matz has not been what he was hyped up to be. He was a top prospect. Everybody had faith in him for a very long time. But the numbers just indicate that he hasn't been the guy that the Mets had hoped for, especially this past season. And I'm not too thrilled with the money they're giving him considering what you saw this past year. He went 0-5 with a 9.6 ADRA and six starts in nine games. Um, he went 30 and two-thirds innings pitched. He allowed 33 earned runs in those innings. So that's not what you're looking for home runs-wise, just to kind of get an idea of how much of the long ball he gave. Well, he was one of the league leaders in that with giving up 14 long balls, and that was in minimum time as well. You look at the years prior, he had a 4.21 ERA in 2019. It was a lot better in 2018 at 3.97. It was a disaster in 2017 at 6.08. In 2016, he had a 3.40 ERA. And in 2015, the year that we all, of course, thought that, you know, the Steven Matz era began, he had a 2.27 ERA. That was age 24. He's now heading into his age 30 season. Um, and so the Mets have him from one more time around. And remember, that's a pretty deep rotation as is. And they're still looking at Trevor Bauer. Don't know how much value Matz actually truly has, but he's pretty, you know, with that $5.2 million, don't think he's going to be dished off here. I think the Mets will be competitive. Uh, but he'll be probably their fifth starter going into the 2021 season. All right, shifting gears, going to the National League West now. And we'll start with the reigning champion, Los Angeles Dodgers. They are bringing back Scott Alexander on a one-year, $1 million deal. Alexander was left off the playoff roster. Still a pretty solid lefty to have around. Uh, and also with the Dodgers losing potentially Blake Trinan and Pedro Baez, this is at least going to give them some sort of depth in case they don't go out and get another guy. They did just get Corey Knable, um, which obviously we'll touch on a little bit more later on. For the San Francisco Giants, Alex Dickerson gets a one-year $2 million deal. And Dickerson, very underrated player. He kind of broke out towards the end of the 2020 season. I think the Giants need one more go-round before assessing what this real Alex Dickerson is. Austin Slater was also kind of in the mix for them as well. Another outfielder kind of produced more so towards the end of the 2020 season. Let's not forget, and Derek hypes on it a lot, the Giants were tied with the Brewers, and the tiebreaker went because of the record within the division to the Brewers, the most ridiculous way possible to get in the playoffs. And Slater was a big contributor for getting the Giants as close as they were to the postseason. He is owed $1.15 million. As for the San Diego Padres, they got one here in Matt Strom. That'll be one year, $2 million. Might help solidify that back end of the rotation. He was used more as a middle reliever towards the end of the 2020 season. But of course, Mike Clevenger going out for the 2021 season. You just don't know where the depth is right now for the Padres. Of course, they could still go out and sign Trevor Bauer. All right, moving on to just a few non-tendered players. 
because some of these names are quite interesting to see hit the free agent market. The big one for me, and I think for a lot of people when they first heard the name, uh, he was a very highly taught prospect, and uh, he just he delivered, but his injury history kind of hurt him big time. And that's David Dahl, the outfielder for the Colorado Rockies. Well, we'll see what team he plays for, but whatever team gets him at age 27 – uh, they're going to have to deal with some injuries for sure. In 2020, he had 99 at-bats, played in only 24 games. The year before, in 2019, had 413 at-bats in 100 games. Pri year prior, in 2018, 249 at-bats, and also that was in 77 games. And in 2016, because he was out for 2017, in 2016, had tw 222 at-bats in 63 games played. Now, his numbers are still very impressive. Uh, his slugging percentage in his career is 494 over the four years that he's played. Uh, his numbers though, in 2020 were less than stellar in the games that he did play in those 93 at bats and 99 plate appearances. Well, he had a batting average of 183 His on base percentage 222 and his slugging was far from that career average of 494. His slugging was 247. And so you hope for a lot better for David Dahl. You hope he can stay healthy. He's only 27 going into the season. I think there's a lot of promise for him and somebody's going to have a big pickup there. Kind of shocked that that's the way the Rockies went with him. Uh, but you know, I, I don't run that organization, so I can't make a decision on that. All right. Another one that has gotten way too much talk is Kyle Schwarber. Okay, first of all, I'm hearing people throwing out the name Schwarber and Legend at the same time. Yes, he played a key role in the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016. But this man is not a legend, and I'm not shocked by the move of them letting him go either uh, for similar reasons to that of David Dahl, but you know, his injury history, that, that's not really the problem. He was injured, of course, in the 2015 to 2016 season, but when you look at it as a whole, he's stayed relatively healthy. In 2020, the numbers just were not pretty. He had a 188 average. His slugging was 393 for a guy that actually hit 11 home runs. That just shows that that's pretty much all he did. It was home run or bust for him. The year prior, though, a lot of people will pay attention to those numbers, and they were much, much better. He had 38 home runs in 2019. He had a 250 average. So, of course, that's 70 points better, essentially, than what he had this past season. And he had a 531 slugging percentage. His OPS was 870. One Schwarber's got power. It's just it, what kind of Schwarber are we going to see? I, I'm not really sure. I think he's still got plenty of 30 plus home run power in him, but I see him more as the modern day Adam Dunn. And so, whatever team picks him up here, it's either going to be for a platoon or more so as a DH that you know I think they're going to have to just hope that he can do something in the middle of the lineup, the back end of a lineup at the five, six, maybe even the seven hole, trying to hit a home run. Uh, that's pretty much all they're going to get from him. So he becomes a free agent from the Chicago Cubs. Another name to throw out there is Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley, of course, traded from the Arizona Diamondbacks to the Cincinnati Reds. And Bradley was a decent reliever for the Reds uh, down the stretch, but ultimately he is done now and he will be picked up, I assume, by any competing team at this point. And I think part of the reason why the Reds let him go is just simply because they might be in more of a rebuild than anything else, knowing that Trevor Bauer is gone. Uh, look, I mean, the numbers were actually pretty solid for him in 2020 when you look at it. Um, so I'm kind of shocked in a way that they didn't keep him. But also, if they're going to be in that rebuilding stage, then sure, let the 28-year-old go and find a better deal somewhere else. But his ERA with the Reds, 117. Uh, that was with just six games, but 
still, I mean, that's, you can't ask for much better than that. With the Diamondbacks, he had a 422 ERA in 2020, but it was much, much better uh, in 2019, 352 ERA, 2018, 364 ERA. Um, he had a 173 in 2017. So you know this guy can produce, and he can be a great guy to have in the back end of your bullpen. He will find a job very easily, in my opinion. All right, Adam Duvall from the Atlanta Braves is also now out there as well. He will not be joining them in the 2021 season. Instead, he is a free agent. And, man, what a ride he went on with the Braves towards the end of 2020. How about listen to these numbers that he had overall in the season because they were quite impressive. Outside of his batting average, it was 237. Okay, his slugging was 532. His OPS, 833. He hit 16 home runs and 33 RBIs and limited plate appearances as well for them. Um, honestly, not a bad guy to have on your team, especially if you need a pinch hitter. Uh, he can definitely fill that role as the DH as well. He is heading into his age 32 season. Um, so interesting that the Braves would let him go. The Braves also have a ton of depth, and uh, they have a ton of youth as well that's going to help them. So he was not necessarily a piece they needed, but definitely a guy that I think a lot of other teams can use. All right. Let's go to the American League now, and we're going to stick strictly with the AL Central here. First of all, the big name out of this one is Eddie Rosario of the Twins. His numbers were down quite a bit from years prior. He had a 257 average, uh, slugging of 476, uh, OPS of 792. He had 13 home runs that season. It wasn't a bad year for him. He kept the strikeouts down a little bit. It was a decent season. But I think for the Twins to let him go, that's just a sign of them saying that they need to find a way to conserve some some finances on their side and maybe bring out a player that they find better than him. And there's a lot of outfielders, quite frankly, on the market that can do the job that he did as well. But still love what Rosario offers. Um, the best numbers that we saw from him came in 2019. He had 32 home runs, 109 RBIs, 276 average, uh, 500 slugging, OPS of 800 as well. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I think that this is not necessarily a mistake by the Twins, uh, but I would like to see that they had done a little more had a little more effort on trying to bring him back. Instead, they let him go. He's non-tendered. Now he's a free agent. And he he could be a key piece for a lot of teams. I'm hearing right now that the Boston Red Sox might have some serious interest in him. All right, the Kansas City Royals with Michael Franco, he is gone as well. So he has become a free agent, and that's a decent piece. I'm not going to dig too deep on Franco. Uh, he came over from Philadelphia this past season, had an okay season for the the Royals. He actually hit 278, which is pretty solid, but he didn't really slug. He had a 457 slugging percentage, OPS of 778. Um, hit eight home runs, 16 doubles as well. The most home runs he's hit in the season was 25 back in 2016. He's not the kind of guy that's going to, you know, shoot for power. I think what the Phillies really anticipated he would be. Um, and he's now going into his age 28 season. He could be a decent flyer though for a team. And now he is a free agent. Now, how about two names that I find maybe to be the most appealing. Out of all the names that I've mentioned, these are the final two for you, and they come out of the Chicago White Sox organization. One a hitter and one a pitcher. First of all, Nomar Mazar, and I say they came out of the White Sox organization. He was actually traded from the Texas Rangers last year to the White Sox. Mazar was supposed to be the guy in Texas, and you talk about consistency. How about his first three seasons in Texas, age 21, 22, and 23? He hit 20 home runs on the dot. Then at age 24, he hit 19 home runs. 
he was very consistent. I don't think he had the power that the Rangers had really hoped that he would show. He was supposed to be an RBI machine, and he definitely showed that in 2017 with 101 RBIs. But outside of that 2017 season, there was nothing particularly impressive that would tell you that Mazzara puts you over the top. Well, in 2020, he now moves to the White Sox, and uh, he had a very rough year. After hitting 266, 253, 258, 268, he hit 228 with the White Sox his first year in Chicago. He's only 25 years old that season. He's still a really young player. Some guys don't produce until later in their career. I think that's going to be this guy. Mazzara's got a lot left in the tank. I'm a little shocked the White Sox would let him just walk away like this, but all right. Let's see if a team takes a chance on him. Expect a team like the Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland Athletics to make a move on this guy, knowing that he's got plenty of potential left for him. Um, And uh, I expect a lot of the 26-year-old going into his 2021 season, wherever he may land. The other name that's very appealing, and it's (laughs) – I have to first preface this by saying I've been a believer of this guy since the day he got drafted. Carlos Rodon, he just hasn't produced accordingly with what the White Sox wanted, but the man can strike guys out. I will throw that out there, first of all. His K per nine has been as high as 11.9 in 2019. Uh, It's just the problem is that ERA has not been what they wanted this past year. In limited starts, only started in two games, pitched in four games total, had an 8.22 ERA the year before, 5.19 ERA. The year prior to that, 4.18, then 4.15, 4.04. It was actually his rookie year back in 2015 when he was 22 years old. He had a 3.75 ERA. Um, uh, He did strike out quite a few batters that season, but we're not going to dig all the way back there. We got to go to the present. Um, He has not been healthy. That has been his biggest issue. And now going into his age 28 season, he's going to have to get signed by a team that is essentially looking at him as a flyer that maybe he can give them a couple innings. You know, he's not going to go deep in a ball game right now. I could see him landing with the Texas Rangers. The LA angels could be a good fit as well. Just a team that really could use a starting pitcher and, somebody that can at least eat some innings for them. Uh, Rodon's trying to get his career back on track. I think he will. He just needs the right opportunity as well. All right, guys. Well, because we don't have Derek on the show, I'm going to do something very quickly here with you that Derek and I had talked about, and we're going to try and keep this thing going as well. We talked to you about baseball, but we also talked betting lines. And uh, I know some of you prior to the 2021 year want to get your bets in before some of these players sign with other teams. So I'm going to quickly give you something called beer or bet. The segment beer or bet tells you, would I rather spend my money on a beer or spend my money on a bet for a team to win the World Series? So we're going to look at some of these lines real quickly and uh, go through these for you. And I'm going to kind of give you the best insight I possibly can. Would I rather spend money on a beer or bet? Let's just say that I'm going to use $10 for these bets uh, because normally at a bar, if I want to get a good beer or maybe even a you know a cocktail or something, I'm going to spend roughly 10 bucks. It might be a little bit more. All right, starting with the betting lines here, the Dodgers are plus 400. Absolutely, I would use the money. I would go bet on that one. Yankees plus 600. I don't like the rotation. I think that they'll make a move, but ultimately they need to retain LeMahieu. I would actually spend my money on the beer instead of the plus 600 that they're at right now. San Diego Padres plus 1,000 right now. Uh, I'm going to have to say beer. At this point, um, I think the Padres are a really good team, but without Mike Clevenger, that's going to hurt them for this 2021 season. Tampa Bay Rays plus 1,200. I definitely have to say, give me the beer at this point. The Rays look like a mess right now. They may even trade Blake Snell. I'm going to have to steer clear of the Rays. The Atlanta Braves at plus 900. I would say bet. 
And the reason why is because if the Dodgers aren't going to make it to the World Series, the most likely team in the National League at this point that I think makes it would be the Atlanta Braves. I love the signing of Charlie Morton. Uh, they do need to bring back Marcelo Zuna, but I would say even without that move, I would go with the bet on that one at plus 900. The Minnesota Twins at plus 1,600. I've been talking rather negatively about these Twins at this time. They're at plus 1,600, and I would say take the beer, folks. Not worth trying because the Twins can't even win a playoff game. Chicago White Sox, plus 1,200. I say take the bets. I really like the White Sox young team. They could definitely take another step forward. I do think that Tony La Russa is going to be kind of a disaster. So that's going to be interesting to monitor. Uh, but ultimately, I think the talent is worth it. Um, and so a lot of these guys about to hit their prime. I like Luis Robert a lot, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Johan Moncada. And of course, how about the MVP? Uh, you have Jose Abreu. Take the bet plus 1200 you have the Oakland Athletics plus 1600 can never take the bet on them always take the beer with the Athletics because $10 is too much to spend even if you're the Oakland Athletics organization Houston Astros at plus 1600 that team is going into a minor rebuild I take the beer at this time Cleveland Indians at plus 1600 they're going to trade Francisco Lindor take the beer Cincinnati Reds plus 1800. I also take the beer because of the same situation as Cleveland kind of mini rebuilds going on there. Chicago Cubs plus 2500 take the beer as well. That team and that organization as whole is going in the wrong direction. New York Mets at plus 1400. I take the bets. I think the Mets are going to make a huge splash this season. I love their rotation. It could get a lot better. If they manage to get Trevor Bauer and a bats, they're going to be as good as any team in Major League Baseball. And that plus 1,400, that's worth it to me. Take the bets. The Washington Nationals at 3,000, plus 3,000 here. And I'm going to say this is a tough one for me because I still think the Nats have a lot to offer, but I would say take the beer. Uh, the Nationals, to me, don't quite seem like they have it. And uh, after falling off in 2020, I don't think that was a fluke. Yeah, they got Juan Soto, but not a whole heck of a lot outside of him and Trey Turner that are really producing. St. Louis Cardinals at plus 3,300. I'm going to have to say on this one, probably take the beer. I like their Cardinals pitching to a degree, but I don't love the lineup. I just don't see a lot of positives with this team. It's a very average organization right now. Toronto Blue Jays at plus 3,500. Absolutely take the bets. I think the Blue Jays could be an outside-looking-in kind of team to make the World Series. Same reason as the Chicago White Sox. I really like what the Blue Jays have to offer. A lot of great youth with Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio. I think that kind of seeing where Bo Bichette came out of his own and you know is now a superstar already, um, it's going to be fun to watch this team. They could make a splash this offseason. Take the bet, especially considering they're at plus 3,500 right now. That's going to improve significantly, uh, I think, throughout this offseason. Philadelphia Phillies at plus 3,300. It's kind of a crime that the Phillies are ahead of the Blue Jays right now. Absolutely take the beer. Phillies are nowhere near a contending team at this point. They're falling back quickly. LA Angels plus 3,500. It's amazing that that team and the Blue Jays are compared right now with the same odds. I would take the Blue Jays any day. I do not take the Angels any day. Even with Trevor Bauer, that organization's a mess right now. The Milwaukee Brewers at plus 5,000. And uh, I'm going to have to say that you probably steer clear of that bet. The Brewers are really hard to figure out. Uh, there's not a lot of key pieces right there that are really functioning properly that I would expect that they would all of a sudden turn it around and make it to the World Series. They somehow made the playoffs in 2020. That's the best I think they're going to do in 2021. Boston Red Sox, same odds and same result. I also take the beer as well for the Brewers and the Red Sox. Miami Marlins also had that bet. And man, as much as I want to say take the bet, 
because those odds are really good. The Marlins, I just don't see making a major move. I think that they could be a great fit for Francisco Lindor. The question is, could they pull the trigger on something like that? They've got money. They've got the funds to do all this, and they've got a great rotation actually as well. I'm borderline. You know what? I'll take the bet. I'll take the bet because I think the Marlins could potentially surprise people if they make a move that kind of sticks out this offseason. It may not hurt. I don't know if I'd throw $10 on them. I'd be more of a throw $2 out and try to get two for 100 San Francisco Giants at plus 6,600, and uh, I'm going to have to steer clear of that for the same reason as the Padres. It's just they're in the Dodgers division, and the Giants are turning in the right direction, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Arizona Diamondbacks, same odds, same result. I take the beer for both of them. You go to the Colorado Rockies at plus 7,500. And uh, I'm going to take the beer any day I'm at Coors. I'll take the Coors easily on that one um, because I am not going with Colorado at this time. They're going to trade Nolan Arenado and maybe Trevor Story as well. Seattle Mariners at plus 7,500. Absolutely take the bet. I love this team, and I don't expect them to win the World Series, but if you throw $5 down on that team, I love the youth that they have. I think they have a bunch of money to work with here in the offseason. They are primed to potentially make a move as well. Those odds are going to be much smaller as you go throughout this offseason. I expect them to make a move of some sort. Maybe for Blake Snell, absolutely place a bet on the Seattle Mariners. As for the Baltimore Orioles, Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals, Texas Rangers, and Pittsburgh Pirates, not even going to entertain those for you. All five of those, they're out. You take the beer every time. And for those poor franchises, those five teams, you guys take the beer every time, and I'll give you an extra as well because I know how difficult it is to have to deal with watching those teams right now at this time. All right, before we close out the show, some final cold, hard news for you. The Texas Rangers, speaking of which, they hired Chris Young, the former right-handed pitcher for the Rangers and Padres, to be their new general manager. That'll be interesting to see as John Daniels was the youngest general manager at that time. He's still with the organization, but not in the same role. New York Mets signed Trevor May to a two-year deal worth $15.5 million, good right-handed reliever from the Minnesota Twins. Mets already making moves before they have a general manager. Kind of love to see that the Dodgers acquire Corey Knable from the Brewers for a player to be named later of course Knable was their stud closer just a few years ago but of course having his injuries well he kind of fell off a little bit but still could be an interesting piece the Dodgers are really good re- with reclamation projects Knable could be a solid piece to have Gio Urshela undergoes elbow surgery he has a bone chip in his elbow he should be ready to go for spring training and the off chance he's not well they've got Miguel Andujar that can play that position. The Yankees offensively have so much depth. It's kind of ridiculous. Before I leave you tonight, I just want to give you guys a quick promise. As I mentioned, I was drinking a beer this evening, but I'm going to start my own thing here where I'm going to teach you guys each podcast kind of some of the recipes of uh, certain cocktails to make. And so moving forward, I will be making cocktails such as blood and sand. Uh, I got a lot coming for you here. A French 75 is something I plan on making. Azalea as well. So when you jump on this podcast, just know that while we're talking baseball, remember, it's still booze and baseball. We're talking booze and baseball at the same time. Also, when I say were, that's usually with Derek Johnson. Definitely missed him this podcast. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's out sick this week. We hope he's back next week as well. Subscribe to us and give us a five-star review. We are on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Amazon Audible. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Booze In. 
baseball with the letter N. You can also reach out to our email, which is boozeandbaseball at gmail.com to ask us any questions, suggest alcohol to review, maybe even have our mailbag, which we're going to try and go back to next week as well. Thanks to Mixkit for the stock music. Thank you to Man Cave Merch for our coasters. Even though Derek Johnson's not here, on behalf of Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. We'll see you next time on Booze and Baseball.